0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to IGN UK podcast number 173. I'm Stu, and this week I am joined by the delightful Kevin McDonald. Right. The delightful Richard Bearpa. Hello. Uh, and Luke Kamali. Hello. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just fun, Luke. You know how much I adore you. I, I do. Truly do. We've got a packed bumper podcast for you this week. Mostly, it has to be said, made up of your wonderful reader feedback because we've had a lot of response to a lot of things we talked about last week. Uh, more about that uh, in a minute, though. But let's crack on. Uh, with this week's news. News. And first up is something that's, uh, that broke just before we came in to record the uh, podcast, and that is news on the new controller for the PS4. This is the PlayStation 4's prototype controller. We've got a picture of it, which is
1: on the website if you want to look.
0: Yeah, not much good for the podcast.
1: Everybody's had a little look at the picture, so it basically looks like a big fat DualShock with a touchscreen in the middle, which... I think yeah. it's. I mean, this is a prototype, so it's not going to look like this, which is good because it looks stupid. Well, it's going not look
0: Touchscreen in the middle, but not on the middle front; it's on the middle top. Is that right? Yeah, that's that right.
1: Like above the. If you imagine a DualShock with the touchscreen where the start and select buttons would be, yeah, it's like that.
0: Which have mysteriously disappeared? Yeah, they've gone. No, the
2: they There's buttons. one. Where s- the heck
0: are they? There's Iconic. one small
1: button in the middle, yeah. beside the touchpad, that could be a possible share button.
0: Yes. Um, Social media. I, lo- mm. I love
1: the labelling on this picture. Unknown port. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> There's an unknown port, guys. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it looks a bit third-party right now, but it's a prototype. Oh, but the, the whole touch sensor being on the front thing, that's yeah. been rumoured for ages, and that will almost definitely be in the final model. Yeah, it's well, a big glowing
0: light on it, for God's sake, Move sensor. Wow. It's got wow. a move
1: sensor on the front of the pad. Mm.
2: I don't so, think it's necessary. So
0: yeah, what they've done there is they've taken away something that was reasonably ergonomically designed, i.e., the original move. Even though it did look like some sort of sex aid, <laughs> and, they've, and they've they've put on something that's really not very ergonomically designed to throw about.
1: It was a glowing sex <laughs> aid as well. It was a glowing. Lots of different. Can
0: actors. always tell <laughs> where it is.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, handy when you're is? dogging. <laughs> and handy when you're out dogging in the park. Um, Never, you'll never lose it. Do you
0: know what? We be careful what we say because I've just realised, reading some of this week's feedback, we have like 13-year-olds listening to oh, this. So oh, bless. So maybe wow. maybe talk Do you know what?
1: 13-year-olds are filthy. The, inter- the internet exists now, Stu. Wow.
2: It's true. We work on it.
0: But it's, in,
1: it's, just, it's just happened.
2: Yeah. Desperately which, clawing back onto the, onto the controller. I think that looks... I think it's plausible. You know, we've heard a lot of stuff about um, the touch-centre stuff. There's no biometrics on there, which we've also heard before. But the last thing we heard was that they were going to get rid of the DualShock. Um, which I
1: think would be a mistake. Well, so, it doesn't look like they are. I mean, does no. everyone remember the PlayStation 3's prototype controller? No, it was no. a big silver banana boomerang thing. Yes, yeah, that's oh, hang remember. on, maybe yes, I do. Yeah. A that bit. looked really, really silly. It so, did, didn't it? This looks less silly than that. Well done, Sony. Well, this kind of makes sense,
2: I guess. It's kind of like they've started with the DualShock as a building block, and now they've kind of and they've added onto it. So I guess it'll be stripped
0: back and like
2: streamlined.
1: Well, all will be revealed next week, mm. next Wednesday, it's New isn't York.
0: It? They've decided not to move the. Uh, Control, you know, the direction pads. Mm. Is,
1: that's still there. Yeah, direction the, pads. Do you mean analog sticks? analog sticks. Do you not like <laughs>
0: where they are on there? Well, no, I prefer the uh, the 360. What the one of... with them up
2: the top? Yeah, so, you yeah. know, I prefer the nanobos. that's yeah, Because you've got we've. Small hands, it, that's you. the thing. I we've do. both got tiny girlish Dainty.
0: hands, Luke.
1: <laughs>
2: Dainty. <laughs> well, my hands
0: are quite small. Look,
1: look <laughs> well, they are quite small. Yeah. Actually. I'm yeah. just
0: holding them up to the mic so you can see. They're not. They're not. They're quite... not girlish. They're not girlish. now they're like sausages. Big fat man hands. Not good sausages. Sausages with horse in them. All sausages. Uh, we also this week had a big uh, Nintendo announcement. They had one of their, their online Nintendo, Nintendo things. Where they So "Yes, look at all this wonderful stuff we're having. You haven't wasted your money on a Wii U." Uh, is that true? Well, well they an didn't announce
2: they didn't announce any Wii U titles yesterday. So <laughs>
1: they did the Wii U one like two weeks ago. This true is the three D. This is the three D S one.
0: Yeah,
1: loads and loads of games. We have got a new Mario Golf. Exciting, perhaps only to me and my dad. We played it together when we were when I was little. But there's that. <laughs> there's a new Mario and Luigi RPG. We've yeah. got an April release date for a Fire Emblem in the EU. Animal Crossing New Leaf is coming in June. There's new Luigi's Mansion details that's coming in March. Yeah, were there any other Were there or other all. new announcements? There were more, weren't there? Um, oh, there's new Wii, Lu, Wii U Luigi DLC. Yeah, for, for new Super Mario Bros. U, and it's quite it's quite extensive. It's
2: basically, they're redoing all of the levels. This, the, Nintendo's new thing apparently is that this is the year of Luigi. So um, yeah,
1: Iwata wore a little Luigi hat and everything. It was I was pretty excited. It was it was kind of cute. Um, it's very comical.
2: It yeah. Was. So basically, they, they've you can play through all of uh, New Super Mario Bros. U again. Only the levels have completely changed, and you know you're meant to play with Luigi. Um, so yeah, no, there's there's quite a lot of actually good stuff. Oh, the other big one, obviously, was um, Donkey Kong. Oh, of course, Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Yeah, so that's coming for the um, 3DS. So yeah, no, there's quite there's quite a lot of big stuff announced. Um, it's, to be honest, I find the most exciting things that we're finally getting release dates in the um, in the EU. Um, that they have in the States yeah, um, I've, I've know, been for Fire Emblem and Am- Animal Crossing and stuff like that I've so. been
1: watching people say Fire Emblem is amazing, I was going to say balls, though. I thought you
2: I were as have well, so myself. I'm glad you didn't I yeah. know
0: you wouldn't have slapped yourself, we would have slapped you
1: Excellent. Yeah, you wouldn't have got there in time That's allowed, HR um, <laughs> But but yeah, I've I've been listening to Americans say how good it is for ages so I'm pleased that we're going to be getting that
0: we got a bit of feedback about that, haven't we, somewhere Somebody's got it, because it's um, somebody's written in from Australia Have a look through your feedback, see who's got it Because they're a bit annoyed because, yes, we are getting it at the same time as as the US, but I don't think Australia is.
2: Well, Australia have quite a lot of issues with getting games on time, don't they? Because they have a quite strict rating board. Mm. That's that's usually
1: they? why it is. Do you know when I when I was a kid, the N sixty four games, because um, Australia's PAL like we are. Which PAL? Which are I <laughs> PAL? <laughs> <laughs> are you dean? Mm. Um But that doesn't that doesn't matter so much now. But when the N sixty four was out, yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. But when the N sixty four was out, like PAL and NTSC was a thing, and it was mm. the two different types of for people too young to remember. It was the two different types of TV signal.
0: That's right. Is that right? And also, they run at different speeds. And they PAL ran runs at, at 50 speeds. hertz. NTSC runs at 60 hertz. Hmm. There are all sorts of things like you you would uh, you would get borders with certain yeah, games. That's borders right. around the screen on, on on PAL games. The you wouldn't get that on American games. So there was quite there was a really healthy. Uh, kind of kind of uh, third-party import scheme going on at the there time, was. wasn't there? For, for, for SNES for and the SNES 64 and yeah. PlayStation. Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, so Australia used to get the PAL games, which would work on our PAL N64s. They used to get them earlier than Europe because Europe had to translate it into five languages. That's it. So I'd go and import, you know, Banjo-Tooie, I remember importing for some absurd amount of money from Australia because they got it months and months ahead of us. I think I imported Doshin' the
0: Giant from... Did you? Australia, yeah. Dosh Dosh and the, the Giant, giant. is that sounds like some sort of weird act. and the well, Giant
1: was a really, really weird GameCube game in which you were a kind of giant wanking giant.
3: What? With wanking a giant? Yeah, just to be clear, b- you b- did b- not wank a giant he, in Dosh did, and the Giant. You did.
1: Whenever you pressed the, you know, when he had to. Oh, pull he, up did, the he did. Yeah, oh, he did. Oh, wow. Wank, remember? And he had like a little protruding belly button that looked a bit like a tiny button wag. Oh,
2: God, that really fucked me up, and I didn't realise. And he,
1: he, so he'd like pull up the ground because well, he, he was a giant and he could. <laughs> 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 I know, right?
2: He was big and yellow.
1: He could. <laughs> <laughs> a matter matter, like. oh,
2: big and yellow. He's big and yellow. You go for jaundice people. Do you? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> That's this thing. It's definitely left an impression. Did
0: anybody find that bit of feedback I was talking about, by the way? No, I do no, right. not got oh, oh, go We'll have to reference it in the later part of the programme. Yes. We'll be back to you. Slick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we might edit it in. Uh, we away. are returning to our cam this year.
1: Arkham. 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 Arkham.
3: Arkham. Arkham. Batman. Uh, I don't. I don't have that. You don't have the story. Who's
0: got the story then? You know what? Where is
1: it? So do you know what? There's going to be a new Arkham game this year.
0: Yeah. Basically,
1: uh, during the um, Warner Brothers financial. Warner Brothers. Warner
2: Brothers (laughs) financial. They said that they were going to be bringing out a new Arkham game um, in 2013, and we did some research because we're journalists like that um to find out exactly when their financial year is because they didn't make it clear if it was their financial year or just bog standard 2013 but their financial year is the same as the calendar year so exciting. So in theory we should have a New Arkham game by December
0: ah do i care let me think do you care about much do you? yeah i do I, I cared greatly about arkham asylum okay. i didn't care so much for arkham city so I'll be interested to see what they do with Arkham Three. Well,
1: the I, there are some some people are saying it's not going to be Rocksteady.
2: Yeah, this is the big thing because Rocksteady are meant to be. Rocksteady have said recently that their next pre- project is not Batman-related. Well, they haven't said that, but they've implied it. Yeah,
1: yeah, quite strongly.
2: But they also <laughs> yeah. said as well that um, there's
0: it's like watching Statler and Waldorf at work from The Muppets. <laughs> there's
2: also this whole Justice League thing that people are muttering about, isn't there? Like yeah, the Silver, Silver age, age prequels. prequels.
0: Uh,
1: I don't know what that means. I've just seen the word "Silver Age prequel" written lots of times. Yeah,
2: none of right. us in this office are that hard on the old comic books, but you know, Daniel knows his sure. show on comic he books. He does.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there you go. Anyway, so new Batman coming this year,
0: but not Rocksteady Batman.
1: Possibly not Rocksteady. Yeah, we
0: go mm, probably possibly not very good. We don't. You know. never. We know. don't know. We still have to wait and watch see. this space. That's all I can say. Watch that space. Uh, remember the Last Guardian. Yeah, what? I do. The last yeah, what? It's, it's one of these. Famous Vaporware titles. You you were about, what, 11 when this was announced? I was 11 when this was announced.
2: Yeah, it was was announced in 2007, for those of you who don't know. It's um, from Team Ico, the guys who made Ico, shockingly, and Shadow of the Colossus. Um, And it's basically not been seen, really, since it was first shown off in
1: 2007. 2007's Tokyo Game Show, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. That was
2: when it was announced. And yeah, so it just still hasn't cropped up. And, you know, over the years, there's been rumours about it coming and stuff. Anyway, there's finally been a new announcement with um, the creative, like, guy behind it, Fumito, Fumito Ueda? Are we Fumito Ueda. There we go, that's his name. Um, he said that it's still being worked on. He remains in charge as a, in a freelance capacity. But what's interesting, though, he said it's no longer his job to announce more details about the game. It's Sony's job. So people have naturally started speculating that this means by
1: people we mean Luke pretty
2: much me um, (laughs) and that it could be a PlayStation 4 launch title just because if Sony he can't announce any more details about the game until Sony announced the platform that it's on okay very possibly, it's been developed so for a long time. When did you time. say it was first mooted? This game, 2007. After Shadow of the Colossus so came out, would have
0: been mooted for. Would have been originally a PlayStation 3 title, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yes. I just got this wonderful idea that it was going to be a, a PlayStation 2 title, mm. PS2 title, and they've just skipped an entire generation <laughs> <laughs> of PlayStation yeah. 4 because they couldn't get their shit
2: together. Yes. It's interesting because I don't. They haven't done anything else in the interim, as far as I know. So well, how to... are they making any money then? Being able to,
0: uh, can what? they afford just to sit there for six years I'd, to make a well, game? It's Sony like Japan Studios, so
1: they have got a couple of games, like Rain. they've got that working as well. But, I mean, Sony's first-party studios, they tend to be, like, flagship. Yeah. So they're not that worried about them making money, they're just kind of subsidising them. Mm. They're also making Puppeteer at Sony Japan Studios, different team, obviously. Mm. But it's been ages and ages since Last Guardian was... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like Final Fantasy vs.
2: It. 13, it's like, we I, I swear we must be due... Some form of news this year on them. One way Sh- or the other. Shadow
1: of the Colossus is one of my favourite games ever. It's a superb yeah. game. I went and interviewed Fumito Ueda about a month after Shadow of the Colossus came out. Most disappointing interview of my life. Why? He was very very quiet, and all he really had to say was yes, thank you. Really? He had he had pretty much no insights or like or maybe he just wasn't willing to give them But he, yeah but he, I know
0: what you were like did you actually let him get a word
1: in
3: <laughs> <laughs> in an interview
1: situation Stuart <laughs> at
3: least he was polite I guess um, hmm? at least he was polite well
1: he was super polite but actually to be honest this is kind of a thing with all Japanese interviewees mm. is that they're not really trained to go on and on like you talk to an American game developer they've just got on you just kind of pick out the bits that yeah. are good but with Japanese game developers you really have to try to get them to say anything at all apart from yes thank you yeah. we're very pleased that users like it but yeah it was
0: disappointing some so there we go for Last Guardian. We shall see. Good news, everyone! Mm. I found the the Batman Arkham game coming this summer. <laughs> uh, Brilliant! It's good. What I can't find though is the Doctor Who goes 3D story, which I thought I was going to read, and I can't find it. I've that got that now. one. Oh, that's <laughs> good. I've got we are on good, fire yeah. this week, and we are really we're nailing. Are
1: we all still riding that sugar rush from those Valentine's Day cookies? <laughs> oh, they were big cookies.
3: Oh, my yes. oh There was icing oh, on them.
1: Did everyone have a good Valentine's Day
0: before we briefly move on to the next week? I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. No, I mean, if enough. you love somebody, you love them every day of the year, not just one day.
3: That's Boom. very
1: nice. I uh, drank alone and watched The Us.
0: That's
3: nice. Wow,
1: mm. <laughs> it was a pretty good Valentine's Day.
3: <laughs> I didn't <laughs> do anything. I babysat last night. Did you? That was uh, giggity. That was it. Anyway, so we got Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Pedophilia again. again. <laughs> <laughs> <Mate, laughs> it's like a recurring trope. <laughs> We've got to get it in. Yeah. It's Peter Bear Park. Yeah, uh, all swings and roundabouts for them, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so here we go. We got we got Doctor Who goes three D. Brilliant. All right. So, to celebrate the show's 50th anniversary, Doctor Who is going to come to UK cinemas in 3D. It's going to be aired on BBC HD as well. And we're going to have loads of aliens and Daleks and things coming at you. So, what do you think about that?
2: So, it's going to be in 3D on HD, bog standard HD TV.
0: Bog standard HD TV? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Confused. What do you mean, bog standard HD TV? If you've got a 3D TV, you can. But there, there are ways of 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 making HD or the BBC HD channel can show kind of 3D. Yeah, te- you press the red programs, button. But of course, you need a 3D television oh, to, yeah. to be able to convert the beauty of 3D into 3D.
2: I don't have one of those. Why not? Because I don't
0: want one, really.
3: Really? <laughs> oh, okay. I really want one. I just don't have one because they're really expensive. Yeah, well, that's oh, also 3D, that's the main reason. A I can't afford it. 3D TVs
0: yeah. are, are coming down in price so much. It's no. Ridiculous now. Yeah. Uh, however, um, Kes, you got 3D TV? Yes I've got a 3D TV, had mine about four or five months mm. I have not watched a single complete television programme or film in 3D And neither have I gamed in 3D
1: I played Super HD in 3D for about 45 minutes And yeah. that's the sum total of the 3D that I've looked at I mean, I got some 3D Blu-rays, but I don't want to watch them Plus, what I mean, I've got that stupid double glasses thing going on. Yeah, 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 that's annoying, isn't uh, it? Having to put yeah. the other specs on top of them just makes yeah. you look even more absurd. I
3: can imagine. And anything. also,
1: right, the viewing angle on that 3D TV is not brilliant. No. So if there's more than two or three of you watching it... Got to and also, smug. you've only got two pairs of glasses. I live yeah. with other people. We've got three of us in the flat. So if three of us are watching a film, you can't put it in 3D because one person can't see it, which is lame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, make that person
0: go buy a pair yes. of 3D glasses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're like 50 quid, aren't they? Like the alternating. Know, see, this
2: is just too, this is just silly money for me, but it's nice that Doctor Who's coming back. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nice and that Doctor Who's it's coming back. Spectacular. Do we need it in 3D.
1: Nah.
0: Mm. The 3D. To, the, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. As far as I'm concerned, making something in 3D is not future proofing it, it's not no. giving it an archival quality. I think it, shooting it in, in 2K or shooting it in 4K is giving it. An archival quality. You're doing it for future generations, so that it will still look amazing in thirty, forty, fifty years time. Yeah. Imagine that in hundred in fifty years time, when Doctor Who 100 is being celebrated, they can wheel out something that was shot fifty years before, and it still looks amazingly crisp and clean. Mm. Yeah. What do you reckon, Rich? Oh, like, I
3: mean, are you a 3D fan or what? Yeah. See, I like I like 3D, but only. In some cases. So if it's been shot in 3D and it looks great, then yeah. I found that animations look really good in 3D. Yeah. yeah so The first time I was kind of blown away was with Up, which looked amazing, yeah. just because it was more depth than coming out and and doing whatever. So, um, well, I didn't, I didn't really like Avatar. I wasn't really a big fan of Avatar. But it, that is a
0: cartoon, more or less, isn't it? I yeah. quite like The Hobbit in 3D. I like The Hobbit oh, in 3D. In high oh. frame rate. Harry Potter was Don't good in 3D. Deathly the Hallows. Is, what I found is, after about an hour's worth of The Hobbit, it, none of it really looked 3D anymore. It just no, kind of, it, it, I know what you mean. It goes yeah. a bit
2: flat, doesn't it? You lose
0: all perspective. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks very much. <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> I like Frank and Weenie. Black and white stuff looks brilliant in 3D. There's something about black and white stuff. Oh, that looks I haven't really seen good. any black Frank and white. Frank and 3D. Weenie looks amazing in it. And if you can track down, there's a really old uh, Universal horror film called The Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, oh, yeah. which has just come out on Blu-ray. That's in black and white. Track that down because it looks uh, it looks really good on, on Blu-ray in 3D as well. Awesome. I still awesome. use
1: the slider on my 3DS quite a lot. Do you? Yeah, because I don't have to use glasses, so mm. that's that's still. I played games in 3D on my 3DS, which is nice.
0: So I mean, I'm just curious, Rich, because we talked. We just talked about um, HD, and of course, Super HD is around the corner now. With I think Sony are gearing up; they've yeah. got the whole kind of chain in place from shooting to editing to distribution to the end result being on a on a huge Super HD or 4K, as people are calling it. TV. Yeah. I mean, what do you think that's going to grab people's imagination more than more than 3D has, does,
3: will, can? I think it has the potential to, I guess, if it's marketed right, I guess. That's the only thing. Mm. And people need to see the quality difference between 1080p and 4K. Yeah. Um, the trouble is, um, as was the case when 1080p first came out, 4K was available, but just not publicly kind mm. of thing. So um, now we've got 4K, 32K is already there. It's just a case of when a consumer is going to get to that point. Um, I don't know. I I would love to see 4K, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But
0: I still think that we're going to have a nice surprise with the PlayStation 4 regarding Super HD. Doesn't really? it get
1: to the point where the human eye can't distinguish whether it's any better anymore?
0: Well, it does, but I, I it's all about with 4K. It's more about the viewing distance, isn't it? You can actually sit closer to to a to a 55 inch screen and not see. A bit like the Retina display on a on a yeah. on a MacBook, and not actually seeing individual pixels. It's mm. that it's that crisper, that clearer. Blu-ray actually that good, it's though, more immersive. It? Can Blu-ray can be good actually, and this yeah. is a very good point because a lot of it, and I'll get off my nerd trolley in a minute. <laughs> but a, a lot of it is to do with with the whole production process and how well it's been transferred yeah. to a Blu-ray or how well the game has been made in full HD, or whatever you want to call it. You know, because I've got. I'm lucky enough that I've got a a video projector at home so Mm. I can project stuff at 1080p. And some of it is indistinguishable to my eye from going to the movies. And some of it is a bit blurry and a bit indistinct. And that all comes down to how that yeah. disc has been put together.
1: I noticed a big difference with um, Game of Thrones Blu-ray, which is extraordinarily good. Yeah. And uh, my TV's got the smoothing thing on it that makes it look real. It's quite fr- frightening. I'm hoping
0: you're switching that off because that's just shit. Yeah,
1: I do. I do switch it off. I mean, I look at it for about... I mean, if, if, if for fantasy stuff, it doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. For, for Walking Dead or Ho- Homelander, wherever it just makes it look like a it's the 60 hertz thing. It yeah, makes it look like a FPS thing even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes it look staged. But for things like Homeland, it's really good. And for documentaries. But anyway, yeah, Game of Thrones looks great. Mm-hmm. Other stuff
0: doesn't look so good on my TV. Mm. I'm think about that because mm. a lot of the HBO stuff is still actually shot on film, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, I know Ball Empire's is shot on film. Mm. Um which obviously makes a big difference as well to the finished yeah. look and feel of things because no matter how good digital is, you know, there's a, there's a there's a, a rear guard saying that let's let's stick to film because film's amazing. Even walking down to the Prince Charles Cinema um day before yesterday, a lot of the stuff that well, the Prince Charles Cinema for anybody that's not in London is this kind of Second run stroke art house mm. kind of cinema, amazing programming, really good. And they're making a big thing now about saying when when the films they're showing are actually film prints as opposed to digital prints.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I think that's really cool. It's almost like the whole analog uh, uh, turntable versus CD thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems to have happened so much quicker. There's almost been a, a almost an immediate knee jerk reaction to mm. to digital film.
3: Yeah. Uh, you're never going to get digital to look as good as film. The no. trouble is film wears out. Yes. So. There's going to be some generation out there which isn't going to get to see film because the chemicals aren't going to be there to produce the film. It'll all degrade. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of scary in a way. So relish it while you can, I guess. <laughs> um.
1: Same with vinyl. The vinyl you know, wears out, doesn't it? You can, yeah,
0: it, it can wear out. But I think if you look after it, if you if you if you if you've actually kind of got your record deck set up properly and you you don't smear jam over it, <laughs> it's going to outlast. you. Oh man,
3: that's my problem. That's where you'd be going wrong. <laughs> I thought I was just putting jam everywhere. Yeah, You're
0: jamming. Do, 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 do. I'm going to stop now. My- okay. You mentioned P- um, Game of Thrones just now, which yes. would, have, would have been a really nice stepping off. Would point have been for a lovely news uh, story, but I jabber on too much.
2: Well, speaking of Game of Thrones. Um, we do have some casting news about um, well, one of the stars of the show. Um, so Peter Dinklage, who is Tyrion Lannister in the show, little dwarfy man, he um, has joined X Men: Days of Future Past. So um, absolutely everyone is now casting that show. Who else? Um, Famke Janssen, Patrick Stewart, me. I am. I'm, You're in it. I'm are you? playing Wolverine's testicle. Yes, um, <laughs> not really. That is a lie. But um, so anyway, he has been cast as um, the movie's unspecified villain. Um, and we don't really know anything more than that, but that's pretty cool. Right, that is cool. He's um, you know, he's a great actor. He's won what have many Golden Globes and what have you for his. his is Gandalf back in it? Uh, Ian McAllen. Yeah. Him and Patrick Stewart have both muttered about it as far as I'm aware. I think Patrick Stewart is confirmed. I yeah, don't do you know just about mention Ian his name then. What Ian? Um, Ian McAllen. No, Patrick Stewart. Uh, Patrick Stewart is yeah. back in it. Right, but we're not sure about Ian McAllen. Yeah, Patrick Stewart, Famke Janssen are. There were rumors about um Halle Berry and um, Alan Cummings coming back as Nightcrawler oh. and Storm.
3: Nightcrawler was my favourite. Yeah. Really.
2: Uh, then there's um the other ones all to like Wolverines in it. Um but, I don't know, it's quite interesting. What's interesting though is that um they've got all they've asked a lot of the old cast members back. Yeah. But um January Jones, who played Emma Frost, and also oh. Rose Byrne, who was Moira McTaggart. Please don't ask January Jones back. Neither Please of them have been don't. approached yet. Good, they haven't started filming yet, so that's interesting. I mean, there's
0: you know, the, there's playing an ice maiden, and there's then just standing there <laughs> not acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was more of the latter. More definitely, just more um, furniture. Yeah, yeah, she
2: definitely took it to the end degree, didn't she? Um, oh, she did. So yeah, I mean, that's quite quite exciting anyway. that's that yeah that's pretty much all we have on that but we'll try and find out more and let you guys know
0: uh, Die Hard's come out this week we've had a bit of feedback about Die Hard uh, good evening all this is from Charlie Charles uh, I've just Charlie read Mr. Charles. Tilly. yeah I've just read Mr Tilly's review for the new Die Hard film a score of 6.2 doesn't surprise me doesn't surprise me either, actually. No. After, after having to work on the video review, <laughs> uh, but what's been interesting is is here in the UK, Bruce Willis appeared on uh, a popular evening magazine television talk show called The One Show, which is on BBC, and uh, he was a bit weird.
3: Really, he, he was, a was a bit, bit weird. A I bit saw that yesterday. It was a I thought bit was brilliant,
0: quiet and a bit, a bit otherworldly. And from <laughs> what I've heard as well, that at the uh, at the UK premiere for for uh, Die Hard. Five, as I'm going to call it, because I can't remember the, the full name. A good day to Die Hard. A good day. A good day to you said Die Hard. <laughs> good day, Mr. Uh, apparently, he, he was a bit strange when he introduced, introduced the film when he was on stage as well. So I don't know what's happening with Bruce Willis. Is he a bit of He's, just, down. he's just a
3: bit ashamed that he's made the same film five times. I
0: have to disagree more than with you here, Mr. Richard uh, Peter Bear Park, because I don't believe he has made the same film five times. Because Die Hard is fucking brilliant. Die Hard is okay. Die Hard 3's really good and then he's made 4 and 5 which is just stupid and aren't really part of the whole Die Hard thing
3: maybe just the last two then just yeah. don't like him.
0: maybe he's ashamed of a lot of other films he's made as well maybe it's just but one film he people. shouldn't be ashamed of is, is what Charlie Charles goes on to mention it says I was channel hopping one night and happened to chance upon Richard Donner's slightly underrated 16 blocks starring one Bruce Willis and much to my surprise he says I rather enjoyed it thus I couldn't help thinking this is Die Hard 4 in disguise uh, have any of you seen it? Yes, I have. I've seen it, and it's really good. Um, It's it's actually a really entertaining movie. It the premise is he's got to move a prisoner in New York sixteen blocks across Manhattan. Oh, and that's it. Nice and simple, like the old Die Hard. Very straightforward. That's quite nice. It's a really it's a cool little movie. It's well put together. If you if you get the chance to see. That their film 16 Blocks." Check it out; it might be on Netflix or something like that. Yeah, yeah. when was that made? Um, oh, that's probably about. It's probably about ten years old. I reckon something like that. And I'm I'm trying to think desperately of the uh, of the guy who who uh, is the baddie in this film. And he's a really really cool guy. He's a rapper. He's an actor. um, He's in Hitchhikers as well. Um, Mos Def. Mos Def. Thank you very much, Luke. That's it. So yeah, check it out if you can. Good movie. Uh, And he also says, one final point from Charlie Charles, my sincerest apologies for Aliens' colonial marines, which we were going to talk about as well. What the hell has happened? What the fuck happened happened there? there. Just a
1: giant pile of toss.
0: Just awful. Well, there's been quite a lot of scandal that's come out
2: around it as well, hasn't there? Like a lot of controversial things. Such as? Well. Well. (laughs) Well. 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 The the big one, really, is because obviously it's, it's billed as a gearbox software game and, you know... Gearbox, who obviously made um, Borderlands, um, for those of you who don't know. So, you know, they have quite a good good pedigree. Um, yeah, but someone's come out since working for... is it, It's TimeGate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. TimeGate Studios, um, claiming that in actual fact, a lot of... Well, an ex-Gearbox developer has said a lot of the development was actually outsourced to three various other studios, and one called TimeGate is meant to have made most of the single-player campaign, and he's claimed that Gearbox only really actually touched the multiplayer and they didn't really do that much. Um, which goes against what Randy has said in an interview, who's the head of Gearbox. He said that um, they probably worked on about 80% of the game. So.
1: Another person claiming to be working at Gearbox on a Reddit came out and made a big post saying this game was an absolute fucking train wreck because Gearbox sort of kept putting it off because it's been delayed for ages, Colonial Marines. It's been in development for like five years. Mm. And they kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off because they were working on Borderlands and Borderlands 2. And then basically in the end they kind of took the money and run with uh, Sega's license which is pretty scandalous yeah. yeah this is really let down not only Sega but every single Aliens fan has there been a good Aliens game there were five there were well there were four there were four before this one I can't remember what they're all called mm. there's, a, there's a feature about them on the site five, oh, good, I and read that you're not yeah.
0: talking about AV, Aliens versus Predators though are you
1: I think one of them might have been good mm. one of the other might have been good
0: <laughs> there's usually one good Alien one
1: Alien versus yeah. Predator 2 was good I think
2: but yeah, no, there's, so there's a lot of kind of... But it's universally
0: been panned, hasn't but wasn't it? But it, th- wasn't there like a, a preview a while ago of this and everybody thought it was looking really well, good? And that's was...
1: another one of the the controversies is that they basically made a demo that looked nothing like the game at all. Like wow. nothing. And they released a bunch of screenshots that looked nothing like the game. So as soon as the game comes out, everyone's like, what, hap- what? This what happened This is not what here? we've been seeing for the past There's a lot two of years. really, really interesting comparison videos. On the interwebs now, just showing the difference between what they said it was going to look like and what it looks like now.
0: But look, ga- bad games get released every week. What? Why is th- why is it why is this one causing such a spectacular amount of fuss? Is it because of the of, of the fact they released the preview? It's or kind. Stuff, of, I, think
2: like. I think it's kind of a fact that g- people had quite high expectations because they've been waiting for so long. It's Gearbox who have don't really drop the ball, but also just the fact that now all this stuff's coming out that in actual fact, it kind of. It, Mires the game and the studio, just the way they've handled it. Mm. And you've you know, got, you've got, No one likes being lied to, especially consumers. Like you know, and it seems that that's what's happened.
1: I hate that word, consumers. Consumers,
2: gamers, people, people. Consumers. I hate. It.
1: Also, Pritchford did come out and he was like, "This is the sequel to the movie."
2: Yeah, uh? that was a bit of a bold yeah,
1: statement. It's the sequel to Aliens. He said uh? like, the sequel to Aliens is a video game, and this is it. And it's like, oh, but you made it. It's not very There's good. There's
0: something like a bit of hyperbole, is there? Yeah, yeah no, he yeah, drank it
2: swing
1: and a miss there. It's a real shame about Colonial Marines though. I mean lots of people were looking forward to it and it is just
3: not good at all.
1: It's yeah. got very few redeeming features. The multiplayer is all right apparently.
3: They they just hyped up they just hyped it up too much, didn't they, I guess. Mm.
1: But There's, the thing is you can't hype a game like that at all. <laughs> like if it's going to be a turd, hyping it at all is a mistake, isn't it? Yeah, Do you know exactly.
3: What? And that's that's probably why it's gotten all this mm. shit. Yeah. I reckon
0: out there somewhere though is a listener to the podcast that likes the game or doesn't think it's that bad and I would like very much to hear from them so IGNUKfeedback at com, if you have anything to say in Aliens Colonial Marines' favour or IGNUKfeedback at IGN.com if you really fucking hate the game let us know either <laughs> way. Did you
1: buy it? Did you pre-order it? Are you d- desperately disappointed? Yeah. yeah. And
0: are you trying to flog it on really quickly for a fiver? <laughs> <laughs> Uh we've had loads of feedback in the last 7 days since our last podcast. Um thank you so much if you're one of the people that took trouble to write into us. We do read every mm. piece of feedback that comes our way. So even if you don't get read out on air, trust me, uh your thoughts about whatever subjects we're talking about are taken on board. Uh we discussed Assassin's Creed 4 last week and where we'd like to see it set. And that's had a great response, actually. Uh, Paul Simpkins written in and said, uh, just wanted to give my idea on Assassin's Creed 4. I feel a good place to set the new Assassin's Creed would be Victorian England, as around the time of Jack the Ripper. You would have a Victorian England to explore with all the landmark buildings, and you already have a conspiracy storyline with the Ripper as no one knows who he was and what happened to him. It's a terrific
3: idea. Very good. I like that idea a lot. Very cool. Um, See, I've got Connor Monk has also written in. Uh, he also agrees, saying that he thinks Victoria-era London would make a great setting. Perhaps a young Irish orphan taken by a rich English lord and trained wow. all over Britain or Europe. It's just be good. <laughs> wow, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps a subplot involving the assassin hero hunting Jack the Ripper. So, great. There we go. That seems to be a, a yeah. Jack the Ripper. Let's get Jack the Ripper in.
1: Tom Smart says, "How about an Assassin's Creed game set during the Second World War? It would mainly be set in London during the height of the Blitz. You'd be helping the British resistance with bombings, with occasional visits to occupied cities such as Paris to take out some Nazi Templars."
0: Sweet, like Nazi that. Templars. Do you know? I can almost picture that as well. You're like running across the rooftops in London, and bombs are exploding behind you, yeah. and yeah. they're blowing at the buildings as dark, you run
1: along. It's completely
0: dark, except yes. for the explosions. Of course, is maybe yeah, lighting because up the blackout. There.
1: Yeah. So you're having to climb in the darkness and maybe those explosions could light I'm it up. That does sound great fun. Yeah. It would be like a good version of the saboteur. Um, and then we've got um, Lucas Elvidge
2: from Yeovil in Somerset said, um, again, he thinks Victorian London with a top hat wearing assassin or ancient Japan with a samurai sword wielding one.
1: Oh, ancient Japan. Ancient
2: Japan. I mean, that's... that's that would really be really done. cool. Ancient Japan with a top hatted assassin. Assassin's Creed meets, t- meets Tenchu or something.
1: Top assassin.
2: Mm. but that's quite that's interesting like Victorian London seems to have did
1: the Templars ever get to Japan I guess it would have to be during well, like the Dutch when yeah. the Dutch went and settled Japan well, not settled the Dutch went and Japan, made now Japan contact settled with I mean Japan. I know we're <laughs> probably
2: <laughs> we're probably biased but I think it. we're I
0: think London's quite we need nice. more games the Blitz or Victoria yeah. we time, want yeah? more games set in London anyway yeah definitely for sure GTA good London ones. please I would yeah. love
3: a really good free running game in London just yeah so you can mm-hmm. just explore everything oh man I think it'll be so cool that'd be awesome the
1: Zombie U set in London as we know yeah, that was a very cool yeah. setting for it. it. Really worked. Zombie apocalypse in London, brilliant.
0: It's kind of a bit like that when you walk out the front door, anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have much. It's to been do. a long winter. Just <laughs> herds <some, laughs> of people with no spatial awareness. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Keith Bradbury's written in and I've got to be honest with you the reason I loved his, e- his, his email is because of the subject line he put this is not a PPI reminder <laughs> 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 which I really read stood it out because <laughs> about 90% of the ones we get are he yeah. says how amazing would it be for a Nolan Bale film based on the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns comic in maybe 10 or 15 years time what a lovely idea that would mm. be you can you imagine that everybody a bit older a bit wiser a bit more creaky that'd be quite nice I would love that and he also says on a side note have you been to Gosh Comics on Berwick Street it's really good yes yeah it's oh, great it's fantastic I've I've bought i bought
1: the that. new Chris Ware novel from there
0: Did oh yeah How, uh, have you finished that yet
1: I have finished it it's amazing it's called Building Stories just briefly it's called Building Stories and it's, it comes in a huge box yeah. and there's about 15 different pamphlets newspaper style things little books and it all kind of comes together to make one story of a quite depressed emerging adult but it's great really really good stuff
0: if you haven't read any of Chris Ware's stuff give it a shot but maybe start with Jimmy Corrigan which is, I think he won the Guardian First Novel Award mm, for that. I think so, yeah. First Novel Award for a comic book in the Guardian. Very That's impressive, impressive stuff. Uh, and it's, I wouldn't say it's life-changing, but it's one of the nice, best things I've ever read in my life.
4: Mm.
3: Oh, very nice. We went over this a bit earlier, but uh, Corey has written in about release dates, and he says, I was just wondering if you guys could run through the things that influence games being released at different times in countries. Uh, for example, the recent release of Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS, um, and... He also goes on to say that I'm aware 3D, 3DS games are region locked, so maybe it's a manufacturing issue with Australian carts. Well, There's a,
1: few, a few things influence it. Firstly, languages. Yep. So if you're um, Australia, usually doesn't have that much of a problem, as we said earlier, because it's mm. in English. So it usually comes out earlier than in Europe.
2: They get delay. They get delays if they're kind of controversial games or something, because their racing's board are pretty, you know, thorough. And yeah. Tend to be, and they tend to, and they also tend to actually demand quite a few changes. Um, what well, the ratings board do, yeah. yeah, yeah. For
1: violent games in Australia, in a lot of defi- them don't get released.
2: Yeah, so you have to import. So that's so in terms of Australia specifically, that's that's a big, big reason.
1: And also in Germany, that that's the same there. And the third thing is distributors, because people like Nintendo. Until very recently, they had like different companies distributing their games in different territories, and mm-hmm. that can sometimes lead to delays. So not very exciting reasons, really. Translation. Uh, potential rating board stuff and and distributors being dicks. Yeah.
0: So, once again, importing is your friend, but it probably costs an absolute fortune to import stuff too.
1: You know, I used to import stuff from Japan a lot and now it's just too expensive. It's yeah. not worth it. And also, um, Canada used to be a good place to import from because, again, it was cheaper than America, but now, mm. with, the, with the recession and all, yeah. all
0: the currencies. sales... So it sounds like rubbish. it really sucks to be a gamer in Australia. Yeah. well, They usually I get pay.
1: stuff before we do in Europe because they just, uh, as soon as they've... As soon as they they don't have to do all the translations that they do,
2: quite a lot of them are delayed though. From what I've heard, like mm. they're delayed
1: from America.
0: Definitely. Yeah, they I'm get... confused now.
2: Yeah, I'm confused. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it, they get it later. They get it earlier. What?
3: It's, I think they get it later than America. Think, can you
0: two both strip off and have a fight about it. <laughs> Oh, well they wouldn't be able to see it, would it? The the readers Well it doesn't matter.
2: Just just for you, just for your own personal benefit. That is fine. I have some I have some videos I can show you later. Right.
1: Anyone from Australia, do you get games earlier or later than, than the Or Europe? neither.
2: You or neither. <laughs> do you get them at the exact <laughs> <get them laughs> same time? Earlier than Europe, but or later, maybe, later in America.
1: Maybe
0: you don't even play video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Australians are obviously being outside. Yeah. Having nice times yeah. in the With bush. sun. You've
3: been in, 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 in the bush.
0: they in the bush, is that what they do? Up their outback. So uh Next piece of feedback is from Brad Main, who is, who, funny enough, is in Australia. Ah, yeah. very good. So Drory. tell us about your games, please. Uh, yeah, hey, guys. You mentioned that Nintendo should stop trying to secure the gamer market. I think they should go in the opposite direction. If the big N were to bring out a console on par with the PlayStation or Xbox they kind of have with the Wii U <laughs> uh, they would then be able to fully support the Call of Duties and GTAs also having the advantage of Mario and Zelda exclusives I see what he's saying there mm. you know go for that market bring out a, a fucking ninja console and you've got you, you, you've given it both barrels you've got the the, the, the real gamers and the Nintendoites what but I reckon? guess you've
1: got PlayStation and Xbox already doing that and what Nintendo does is go for families
0: yeah. but he's saying they, they could go for both well, I think... I no think one's it's, managed well, the to do both yet, have they?
1: Well, and ever the Has any console ever appealed to both? PS2. PS2 was PS2, quite good. good point, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's the problem, actually. You know, in going for the hardcore with the PlayStation 3, I think maybe Sony did lose some of that. And, or opened the door up for Nintendo to kind of get in there. So I don't know. I mean, this is the thing. If you focus on doing one thing really well, which Nintendo have done, you know, they, you know the Wii U maybe isn't doing as well, but the Wii was very successful. Um... So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, if they should be diversifying. Plus, they'd have to obviously pay for um, about things. You've uh, got some more Wii, uh, Wii
0: U feedback though, haven't you?
2: I do, from David Trevino. Um, he, we asked last week um, what we think, uh, what we thought the best feature of the Wii U was, and so he's mm. written in with his best feature, and he says, ''My favourite feature about the Wii U is that I can play a game while my kids are watching TV. I don't think they seem to be pointing that out enough. I've used the gamepad to play Batman Armoured Edition and watch Netflix and so on, and I think it's awesome.'' Well, it's interesting you say that because they were promoting that um, quite heavily in adverts. But I think it was, what, literally maybe a week or two ago that um, Nintendo got slapped on the wrist and some adverts had to get pulled because their adverts were suggesting that you could do that with all games and all services, or it seemed to be suggesting, when actually you can't. Um, so, yeah, no, but I agree. I do think that that is definitely a very, very strong USP that perhaps they're not. And again, like with um, with in this Nintendo Direct yesterday, on the Monster Hunter for Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate that's coming out for both 3DS and Wii U. Um you can play a game on you can play a game on the Wii U, then you can take your save transfer your save over to your 3D S and go off and play on that out and about. Mm. And then when you get back, transfer it back. And it's stuff like that that natural fact is is great and like really strong, you know, kind of for the console, for the Wii U, and they don't really seem to be pushing that.
0: It's interesting. I, I find that, that Nintendo seems to inflame people's opinions more than almost any other mm. manufacturer. We've, uh, a friend of the show, Andreas Basner from Nuremberg in Germany, has written in. Uh, I wonder, he says, who in their right frame of mind would delay the only interesting release on the Wii U in the next six months for the sake of releasing it with the other platforms? He's, of course, talking about uh, Rayman Legends. Mm. Now, I, and probably everyone else that owns a Wii U, had it on pre-order with Nintendo's recently announced strategy. I, and probably everyone else, will likely skip this and save for Mario Kart or Smash Brothers or Mario Galaxy 3 or a PS4 or an Xbox 720. What a missed opportunity, Ubisoft. Don't complain about sluggish sales of the Wii U version in September.
1: Michelle Ancel, who created the Rayman series, actually did a little protest, a little impromptu protest outside Ubisoft in France saying, please release it on Wii U, it's finished. Yeah. You can delay the other ones, but release it on Wii U yeah. now. It's crazy. Absolutely
2: I mean, and just that September window already, you've got GTA V, you've yeah. got quite a lot of big titles out there, you know, it's, it's, it's a really idea. poor time. And they did this with Origins as well. They delayed it and pushed it out at a time when the market was flooded with other big titles and it just didn't sell. And they're, gonna, and they're doing it again and I see no reason. When you think right now, yeah. there's really no big title for the Wii U. Could
0: this conceivably kill the console? Could, d- this, could this kind of kill off the Wii, the Wii U because, uh, because you've got this whole six months of just nothing exclusive happening?
2: I don't see any reason to buy a Wii U for the next six months. And th- this possibly would have been something that people, you know, as as he says, you know, something, short, short
1: memories though, guys. Mm-hmm. Every single new console takes a year or two to get going. Every single new console has slow sales for about a year, maybe two. The first or the second Christmas season, everyone goes, and then it gets better. PS3, disastrous. yeah, Disastrous for yeah. two years, picked mm-hmm. up eventually. Yeah. You have a chance you, for that to you're happen. You're
0: still very much the kind of the, the flag bearer for the Wii U. On it's you, mostly because,
1: I mean, sort of, yeah. It's mostly that I've, you know, I've been doing this games journalism thing for eight years and I've seen this happen now six times new consoles coming out, and every single time it's the same, and everybody always completely forgets about what happened last time, which I find quite frustrating sometimes. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean Nintendo consoles especially, people are desperate to write them off as soon as they come out. Mm. Despite I think it... the fact that Wii U has had actually I think the second best launch of any modern console. It was better than 360's launch, better than the PS3's launch.
2: I mean I think it can still do well. I don't think this will this will kill it necessarily, but I think this was an this is a missed opportunity. More.
1: It's a shame about Rayman though. That is that is a massive
3: shame. Yeah,
2: because there's a gap in the market and they're not. They're not going with it.
3: Okay. So uh, I've got Ronan O'Connor has written in, and he just wants to offer an opinion as to why he thinks the first wave of games on new hardware tend to be a more fertile ground for new ideas and franchises. Oh, yeah, we were talking about this last week. So he says that he guesses the main reason for new franchises succeeding on release date of a new console is that there is far less competition and a captive audience waiting for new games. He also says that you have the added factor that it's pretty much a level playing field when working on a new console. Existing franchises have to build up new games pretty much from scratch, so there's no advantage to reworking an old engine. Um, I mean, one of the things that was mooted around when that idea
2: was first kind of said, because when Dishonored came out, um, I can't remember who it was, but a CEO of one of the big gaming companies said that it's the wrong time to launch new IPs at the end of a cycle... Um, because gamers' minds are kind of more closed. You know, they know what they like. By the end of a cycle, you've got your franchises that you like. You know what games you want. People aren't really looking for new things. Whereas at the start of a cycle, everything's new and fresh, and so people are more receptive to ideas, which I guess is kind of true. But I don't I don't know. I still think, you know, The Last of Us is coming right at the end of a cycle, and everyone's excited about it. Yeah. So I think, you know, I get what he says, though. I think it's definitely true that there's no advantage in developing for a, a, if you're developing a next gen title, yeah. it doesn't really matter whether it's going to be a new game or I mean, because people are also looking for things; they're looking to build a library
0: when they first get a console, aren't they? That's true, isn't it? Right. What you're saying is that they'll buy pretty much bloody anything.
2: Yeah, you know, you've, you've got what, you want to buy a library of games to play on your new toy. And the launch
0: lineups
1: are always so bad. <laughs> yeah, which like, is <laughs> there's not been a good launch lineup in forever. The 3ds's launch lineup was pitiful. What we yeah. used was bad. The Xbox 360 launched with, was it? What was... It was some shooter that I... I can't even remember what it was. I remember
3: getting oh, Call Perfect of Duty Dark on the Zero. Xbox pretty much when it first came out. So mm. I guess... I'm not sure.
1: I might have been called Call of Duty 2 back then. Don't know. Yeah,
3: something... Pivot Dark Zero was quite... Was early, yeah, no, that was appalling. Yeah, that was the launch awful. title. But I mean, I guess you've got to think about the people that won't be able to afford the new consoles. Mm. So having a new franchise as those consoles are out for an older generation of console... It's nice for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's marketing, mate, isn't it? It's making the money. You yeah, know, definitely. it's a way to drag people into into buying a new console. Loads and
1: loads and loads of games at the end of this year are going to come out on both.
0: Yeah, yes, you know, they're yeah. going to come
1: across because we got to the point where it's not going to be a massive leap forward technically. So you can just scale up. You know, release the PC version basically. Your PC version's already going to be really nice looking and going to be able to take advantage of more power. Release that version on the new next gen consoles and make a slightly less good version for the for the current gen ones.
0: What well, is going to be What's going to be different about the next-gen stuff, though? It's not. It, we keep saying this. It can't just be graphics, can
1: it?
2: It's got to be interface. Well, like that controller, you know, touchscreen and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah. And just see if they can use innovative ways of controlling.
1: And that's obviously the way in which the Wii U is next-gen, because it's a new idea. Mm-hmm. Which, in some ways, it's probably going to be more next-gen than either the Xbox or the PlayStation, because I doubt they'll have similar new ideas. But, but I had, they've, um, got, they've
3: got glass, haven't they? Smart the glass. glass. Yeah. Smart glass on the 360.
1: Mm, yeah. That'll probably become a bigger part of it. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, I heard also multitasking on next gen might yep. be an option so you can run more than one game at a time so you can kind of
1: why would you want to do that
0: i
3: have no idea no i mean i've quite a short attention span so that might be quite
0: good well don't forget you've got that uh, playstation tv that can show two different images at, at one time yeah so yeah. you could conceivably you could have a two-player game on the same television with one console and both players wearing glasses seeing a completely different game well, in, t- in terms of
2: Sony and Microsoft, I
0: think. The yeah, mind blowing. Mind
2: blowing. <laughs> Sony and Microsoft, I think, in terms of the next gen stuff, it's going to be uh, more home entertainment stuff, more ho- home entertainment hub than games console again.
0: I think you're probably right. Maybe. right? Depressing. I just hope that PlayStation get rid of that god awful crossbar. Media, menu cross media bar. Cross, it's the yeah. worst fucking thing that mm-hmm. I've to, to, to navigate. Really? Do you not like it? No, I hate it. I prefer I, it, it. I prefer it to the Xbox I and to the, the Windows the 8 Xbox, inspired. Actually. The
1: one. Xbox is just full of bloody adverts. adverts you pay yeah. forty pounds a year to be served adverts all the time. Hate it. Yeah,
2: mm. this is the thing. At least the PlayStation One's free and stuff. I I personally quite I don't mind the cross media bar, but you know. But then it's so much better than what the PlayStation Two's. I watch. I play on
1: 4D on my Xbox a lot nowadays.
3: So much better on the Xbox than it, it on
2: is on PS3.
1: It barely works.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't. I tried it on the PlayStation a couple of years ago, and I just maybe that back. is next
3: gen. <laughs> PS4 is going to offer a good 4OD. App. PS4 OD. <laughs> you know what? Worth the money. Easy. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's right. worth six hundred pounds.
0: What is it with 4OD though? Just not. You know, it's so difficult to get 4oD on as, as an app on virtually anything. Your smart yeah, TV like, doesn't have it. does. Smart it? TV, neither does have mine. It. Really I've annoying. I've got fucking like, Channel Five, ITV, the BBC, but no 4oD. So a channel that so. shows the programs I actually want to watch. Do you
2: reckon it's because they want to show about twenty billion adverts every ten minutes? That which, like,
0: which then makes the the app fall over and you have to reboot. your <laughs> <into our laughs> Yeah, states, it doesn't quite <laughs> understand what's it's happening. It's most stable on the
3: iPad. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, but then you're on an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many
3: problems.
1: I have some feedback from Adam Wrigley. Yes, as in the Chewing Gum. Amazing. Let's get that out of the way. I am fourteen and listen to this podcast every week. It's comforting Whoops. when life is school and stuff, which is depressing as my PS3 broke. I got the yellow light of death, doom, destruction, ah, depression. Yes. Sorry but, about that, that
2: oh, being there my says, friend.
1: I like all of you guys who come on, but I can only really recognise Keza because of her Scottish accent. Have you got a Scottish accent? I have got a stupid accent. I don't know whether it's Scottish. <laughs> he says, what do you guys think? Of, it's, 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 it's chameleonized from living all over the place. It sounds stupid. What do you guys think of the Raspberry Pi microcomputer? I've got one, but need to redo the OS, he says. This I is look,
0: Stuart. Yeah, I've, I've got one as well. I absolutely love it. It's great fun because it, it takes me back. You've got to remember I'm a thousand years old and it takes me back <laughs> to, to being a kid when... Fossilised. before we, Before the advent of IBM PC infrastructure everybody had a home computer and everybody would have a different home computer. You'd have a BBC Micro, you'd have a Sinclair Spectrum or you'd have an Oric One or a Dragon 32. And so you would learn the, 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 the weird programming tweaks for that particular machine. And in a way, this is kind of taking it back to that kind of hobbyist time back in the early 80s when people would build their own computers. You'd actually get printed circuit boards sent to you in a post and you'd solder a fucking computer together. How awesome would that be? That's so cool. Yeah, and this is, this is kind of going back to that similar thing. You get this tiny little printed circuit board that's got an HDMI output for your TV and a USB input for a, a, a keyboard and mouse, and it just takes a standard charger that you'd get with any sort of Android device. Mm. Um, and you put an SD card in it, like you'd get in a in a camera or anything like that, and suddenly you've got a whole world of programming open to you. And I use mine as a media server. My, mine's running XBMC, the, the the media server, so it serves up movies and photos, music, all sorts of stuff like that. But you can get down and dirty and program it any way you want. And I think for like twenty quid, thirty quid, however much they are, a full blown computer that can do. Anything you wanted to do as long as you have the imagination. I think the most exciting things come along in a generation.
1: How easy is it to program?
0: I think you'd find it easy because you're adept at languages. Mm. So I think you'd actually find it quite easy. I find myself constantly Googling for huge swathes of code because mm. I can I can't remember a thing anymore. Um, but if you're if you're new to it and you wanna you want to get involved, then Google really is your friend because there are so many passionate coders um, out there that just love the Raspberry Pi.
1: That's kind of uh, the Google's made PC gaming a lot easier now. Yeah. Like when I was when I was a kid trying to fix your PC, if you, if it was broken, you were like, oh. <laughs> yeah. If you got an error code, you're what like, well, do, Game over. I just, I mean, now whenever <laughs> anything breaks in your PC, just Google the error code and see what you have to do.
0: Yeah. I I'm, I'm yeah. an era where, where I remember if you had more than I think it was 640k uh, memory on your computer, you had to, on your PC, you had to do all sorts of kind of weird programming to access high mem before you could run a game yeah. and things like this yeah oh, you'd, have to, you'd have to actually kind of get a floppy disk to boot from to boot your PC into a state where it can actually play a game uh, it, it, was, it was a nightmare And don't even get me started on trying to play get sound out of your PC back back in the day. (laughs) It was (laughs) bleak. It was awful. (laughs) they were all black and white and silent. (laughs) Everything ran a bit too All video games.
1: Black and white and silent. That Doom. Black and white. Black and
3: white and silent. This whole whole kind of programming thing is quite interesting now because there's a lot of Kickstarters and stuff Mm. out there Mm. uh, which are providing people with things to program and to to work for themselves, which is good because if you look at the kind of world that we're going into, it's all very closed, like tablets and especially the iPad is I mean, very... People are going to not know how. It's a wall garden. Well, I mean, yeah.
2: the, the, the prime example of that is Yeah as well. You know, that's open sourced. You yeah. know, yeah. everyone's really encouraged with that. So it's, it's interesting.
0: I, we're going to show in a whole new generation of bedroom coders it's that made the Spectrum and things like that so amazing. <laughs> that which is, is, is what we need. It's you know? what,
1: what drove the UK being a great presence in tech, wasn't yes. it? Mm. Was all of us, you know, figuring out how to do this stuff by ourselves. Um, and and of course as soon as you got consoles and closed PCs and, and Macs and all that, people have, I don't know. I don't know how to program. If I'd been ten years older, I would know how to program. Mm. Yeah. So, or ten years younger now. Yeah, it's exciting. If
0: you're ten years older, Kes, okay, you'd have already forgotten how to program. <laughs> <laughs> that is the problem. I'll try and remember to put on the story for the for the podcast. But there's, I've, I found a brilliant video of a guy who's made the world's smallest uh, arcade console wow. using a, a Raspberry Pi. It's literally. Oh, I've seen big, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's you
2: sent that around. I think. Fantastic. Yeah. Cute. Really good. Um, so I've got some feedback from James Lewis. He says, I've only just started playing Dishonored, and whilst the gameplay is fun and fairly deep, it's definitely a case of me loving the aesthetic and the world of the game rather than the actual playing of the game itself. So, what about you guys? Which games have you played in which the world created is outstanding, but the gameplay can't quite live up to? Now, I think Dishonored is a great example, and just from the way that is looking at me, I can tell that she's about to say <laughs> something I'm really, really not going to like, aren't you, Keza?
1: <laughs> I think all Final Fantasy games have this problem. Okay, we're gonna every have an edit here <laughs> while I kill Keza. Um, every single one. I completely you know, disagree. There's just all this background and all this beautiful art and then just nothing Although, in the gameplay. Well, no, that's not fair, not all Final Fantasy games, but definitely most. Well, you do have
2: a point there because it, well Final Fantasy is a bit of an exception in the sense that there's recurring kind of like, you know, characters and creatures and things like that. And that's what you're buying into. So even with recent releases like 13, which is kind of shit, um, people still play it because it's, it feels familiar. So in actual fact, I agree that the, wor- the world is actually really, really strong. But sometimes, and even if the gameplay does lapse, that doesn't matter too much. Um, I actually might say the original Borderlands. Borderlands 2 is great, but Borderlands 1 loved the world and loved like exploring and stuff. But I didn't find it as exciting or kind it's of... It's quite a, samey, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, there's a lot of brown, <laughs> like, <laughs> is my problem with Borderlands <laughs> 1. So I, I think Borderlands 1, maybe. Borderlands 2, different kettle of fish.
1: Anyone else? I'm going to be controversial here. The Elder Scrolls games. Ooh, that is controversial. The world is awesome, the mythology is brilliant. The whole kind of feeling of the thing is great, but they never really let you get into it properly. You know what? It's I, very surface level.
2: I agree. My th- My exception with that is with Morrowind, which was the third one. Morrowind they great. They did. Yeah, they, they did. They let you get it's into the only it. only let you do it. And they've taken it back since then with fast travel and everything, and it just makes it, it detached. So yeah, no, I agree, actually. Morrowind, I think Morrowind's the good one. And then what, the do Oblivion what do you guys
0: think of fast travel in games like
2: that? I don't like it.
1: I like it, but I like when it's an option. Yeah. Like, I mean, Skyrim, for instance, I never fast traveled. Oh, I, would, I would genuinely walk everywhere, or take my horse. But if I wanted to, I could. So I this is the thing: I'm I'm
2: lazy. So like, if it's there, I'm going to use it. But when I wasn't there, like in Morrowind, you know, I'd spend an instead of an hour questing, like you know, doing just quests, traveling from A to B to do them, just talking to people. You know, you actually spend an hour wandering through countryside, so it increases the lifespan of the game. You're still fighting. You're still playing, and you're kind of creating your own adventures, which I think is great. That oh, I happened with that. Uh,
1: with GTA with GTA Four. I remember I, I, mm. I spent a hundred hours in GTA Four, and a friend of mine showed me that you could take taxis to places. <laughs> And I bet you fifty of those hundred hours were just driving, yeah. <laughs> driving yeah. around the entire map, looking yeah. for somewhere to, somewhere to be. If I'd known there'd been taxis, I would have taken them more often.
0: Far Cry Three is the same, isn't it? With mm. with the fast travel. And I kind of think, in a way, I don't think there should be fast traveling it because, of course, the whole thing about Far, Far Cry Three is that you've got you've got the bad guys who own most of the island. You know, when you look at the map, it's all red apart from pockets of green. Yeah. And if you're fast traveling but through an area that's enemy controlled, that kind of to me is a, is a bit lame. You actually can't. You have to liberate it before you can fast travel to it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is if you're all the way over that side of the map oh, I see, and yeah, you want to yeah, fast yeah. travel all the way to the side of the map and you would then have to go through pockets of, of, yeah, of baddies. Of danger. Yeah, yeah of danger. Yeah. You, you, it kind of it doesn't ring true. No, I get you. You see what I mean? Yeah. Am I making sense? Yes. yes.
2: yes. The only, um, just going back quickly to the world, I've just been thinking, Star Wars The Old Republic Man, you've got the Old Republic license there. Shit hot. Awesome stuff. And um, they completely balls up the games play. So that. um, And also Guild Wars 2. Fun game. Brilliant world. But like, there's nothing really to keep me invested. So they were my last two.
1: I loved KOTOR.
2: Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. Shit hot. Star Wars The Old Republic.
1: Not so hot. Shit. Uh,
0: Here we go. Joe Newson's written in. Uh, I hope this is a a spelling error on his email. (laughs) He's written, Dead IGN peeps oh okay I think he means dear IGN peeps <laughs> I hope he does I none know. of us have
1: died yet. apart from Martin he obviously died tragically oh he tragically. did die yeah, yeah. 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 and Matt
0: and, uh yeah I've just listened to your latest podcast and noticed that no one had yet played Nino Kuni. Kuni. Oh. By the time you read this, I assume a couple of you may have had the chance to play a few hours of this brilliant JRPG. I think, he says, this could be a contender for Game of the Year. Yes. His gameplay is quite unique. It's flawlessly combining a Pokemon-style turn-based system with the ability to explore and upgrade your character's stats like in most RPGs. Just wondered, he says, whether any of you have had the chance to explore Nino Kuni. We have. Keza and myself um, both have. Like,
2: I've played, I've played, I think, about 20 hours now, so mm. I'm quite far in. Mm. Um, yeah, no, enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm an RPG junkie anyway. Um, but it's good. We haven't had a decent JRPG in a very, very long time. Like, we just chatted about Final Fantasy, and that's mm. not as good anymore. Like, it's not as JRPG-ish. Like, blade Chronicles
1: what, was extraordinary, but that's yeah. good two years ago now. And, you
2: know, but it's good. It's good that we've got this back. And same, like, the fact that Studio Ghibli got involved. Mm. That's
0: beautiful. Um, like... Love so it, you're you're, it, 20, it, you're 20 hours in. Is it is it still is it still as, as, as gorgeous looking? Yeah, or?
2: I mean the cutscenes, um, the ones done by Studio Ghibli, they kind of they are quite front loaded. So there's a lot of them at the start, and then they die. They still they're still there, but there's not as many of them. They're mainly like rendered in game. Um, the other thing is there's a bit of a lull after you start where you're just adventuring with Oliver before you kind of pick up more companions, and that's a bit. The combat's fine, but it doesn't really start blossoming until you get all your companions and everything and you start so it, it does take quite a while to get going but i like good. a game
1: that makes you invest sometimes you know it's yeah. like no you put up with me you put up with me for 10 hours and i will reward you
2: yeah and it really does reward you it is a bit it's a good game there's so much to do side quests like you know i as i say i'm nowhere near completing it but rumors are if you want to get like all the trophies and everything, you're looking at over a hundred hours, which as is as opposed wow. to
1: Final Fantasy 13, which is put up for, with me for fifty hours, and I will not reward you. Yeah, <sighs> which ever,
2: and I did put up with it for fifty hours, and <laughs> believe me, I they I'm never getting them back. So
3: love
1: it, love it, love it. Nina Kuni is great.
3: Yeah, you need Nina Kuni in your life. So moving on, I have a, another bit of reader feedback from Oz. I don't know if that's. Australia as the whole country that oh, you've yeah. written in. whether it's a uh, guy it's from us. the government yep yep um so following on from what film you live in if you could live in the world of skyrim would you and what would you do with yourself would you do dragon hunting or live Ooh. in a cave what would you well,
1: do i obviously wouldn't live in a cave if the opposite if the other option was dragon hunting yeah i Although yeah, it would be quite if dangerous at
2: the same time i wouldn't dragon hunt
1: i'd live in that um I think it's called Mark That that yeah. uh, that big stony, uh, that big stony northern fortress place with all the kind of icy waterfalls. I'd live there because it looks a bit like what Edinburgh would look like if it were in, fan- yeah. in, a, in a fantasy novel. And I would probably, I'd steal stuff and build myself a big house. Hmm. That's what I would do if I lived in Skyrim.
2: I'd just be quite a happy peasant, quite frankly. I don't have just dream- like real life. Yeah, it? you know, I don't yeah. have dreams of grandeur. I know my place. Um, <laughs> but um, dragons, like dragons kill me when I'm controlling pixels in real life they'd
0: maul me even faster no yeah. I'm not Are doing you, that gents you, you're missing the point here he, he's asking would you and the answer to me is no they don't have flat screen TVs or Chinese takeaways exactly although I would, I, do, I am tempted by the whole magic thing but I'd probably blow myself up or something
2: it would be really good
1: to be able to shoot lightning out of your arms yeah, you? but, yeah,
2: but Didn't,
1: then he, apparently there's only like three people in Skyrim that can actually do that and that
2: did not go well for Palpatine no, so we must all remember true. that that is where you look for your life lessons, my friends. <laughs> we were
1: Important. talking last week a little bit about games to play with kids that weren't rubbish, kids licensed games. Um, Jack Waugh has written in to say I was playing Journey on the PS3 when my four-year-old niece saw it and asked if she could play. She's never played any video game before, but I handed her the controller and left her to figure it out. It was amazing to watch her slowly work out the controls. She didn't really know the object of the game until a random co-op player joined. This guy clearly knew what he was doing, and I imagine if he knew his co-op partner was a four-year-old who'd never played games before, he would have been frustrated. But because Journey has no way to communicate with each other, the player was constantly backtracking to demonstrate to my niece the path she needed to take. Oh, That's awesome. My niece was blindly following mostly through curiosity. It was an amazing experience, especially to see her face when the inevitable happens during the snowstorm at the end.
0: Yeah. Is that a spoiler? Because I haven't. D- I haven't well, well Jody, the, the inevitable not, happens. Uh, Let's not spoil it. But yeah,
1: uh, yeah th- that's a lovely story. That is sweet. Art-warming. Beautiful. Yeah. It's so weird when kids play online. My partner's little boy, Spencer, plays uh Minecraft and we don't let him play online. But now and then when we're playing on my he's seven, and we're playing on my Xbox, one of my friends will join. And he becomes like obsessed with these players. He makes like stories about them. Like, there's this guy called Carpet Monkey who joins in sometimes and he's like, Oh, Carpet Monkey's here. Amazing. Where's Carpet Monkey been? I bet he's been adventuring and he just makes up like these because he doesn't know they're real people. Mm. Oh, he, thinks they're, he thinks they're just like appeared from somewhere in the Minecraft ether, <laughs> 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 which that's is quite, quite funny. That
2: is sweet. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, I, I, I think that's good. Co- I mean, I do want to play Journey. I think Journey's quite a good one as well because it's so abstract anyway. Like, there isn't really a story that you necessarily to follow i think you can just look at it and it's so pretty which is quite nice so i've got some feedback from charlotte from cardiff hello my lovely 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 um <laughs> so she says you are allowed to do that because you are welsh i know i am actually welsh so you don't sound is, very welsh i, no, I added old. but it was beaten out of me by a vicious public school system so hi ign team i hope i hope you're lazy and do the podcast on friday so you get to read this um oh god it's coming naturally. oh she knows us um, too well the best games to play with kids are the nintendo ones but my youngest brother um, wasn't policed on his games when he was young, and played violent games. So this has resulted in him being a little shit when playing, and he's always be- when he's better than us, and mocks everyone when we play with him. He's the twelve-year-old shouting, "You suck, you're gay, go die, or cry to your mum on Xbox Live." He's awful to play with, so we don't play with him anymore.
1: He's that guy. I know. Yeah.
2: It's him. He's all of them. It's only one. Um, <laughs> it's just one of them. He's
3: just really loud. Uh,
2: but she does say, um, "I will play Borderlands Two and Left 4 Dead Two with my mum," although she can get judgy with the gameplay. Um, Get that's judgy it, with the kid What does that mean Well that's interesting actually Is because, a Welsh thing Oh judgy yeah You know it's in like Oh what are they making those jokes for And that's oh, violent, And too violent And all of this right. I mean I played When I was young um, uh, When I was like Seven I played Mortal Kombat With my dad And also Worms Worms was more acceptable I think mm. um, it, I think yeah Playing with your parents Can be quite fun Like it's interesting Because they It's like watching a dog Walk on their hind legs They don't really know What they're doing um, <laughs> And it's just kind of happening And they don't quite understand but like, there's there's some nice <laughs> there's some nice moments in there. But I do, I don't know if it's necessarily the violence, um, him playing violent games unchecked. Um, I
0: don't know. That's that's interesting. Like, I think, uh, you
2: have to be how, careful does he, with does the, he, how
0: does he interact with his friends. Kind well, of thing, you know, like. we've covered this on so many occasions in this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. It's tricky. you
1: could got to be careful with aggressive games with little boys, though, because they do, I mean, I don't know, care what you say, they do act out on it. Not as in going and killing their you know, house, no, their but they're schoolmates, just little but they're, bastards. They're, they're violent anyway. Don't give them any encouragement. Children are bastards. Yeah. <laughs> All of them.
0: Joseph Kramer says, I regularly babysit two boys aged 13 and 10 who play the PS3, so I was interested to hear your ideas last episode about what games to introduce to children. I thought I'd introduce them to some new games each week. Games wow. they have enjoyed. El Shaddai. Biblical and fun. Brilliant shout, dude. Eternal Sonata. Educational and fun. (laughs) Beyond good and evil. Fun. (laughs) <laughs> Crash Bandicoot and Spyro PS1 games. have found that retro platforms are excellent for kids. Yeah, uh, Games that didn't go down so well. Shadow of the Colossus. The controls are a huge problem mm-hmm. and frustrated the 13-year-old almost immediately. Also quite a lot of thematic complexity that you probably wouldn't care about if you're 10. That's right. Final mm-hmm. Fantasy IX. The amount of text was a huge barrier. They enjoyed the yeah. character design and soundtrack, but their reading skills and attention spans weren't up to it call of duty they they already play these games but i deliberately beat them so badly that they wouldn't want to play anymore yeah. <laughs> and finally <laughs> very good uh, finally professor layton and the miracle mask he says the 3d literally made them throw up so unfortunately they won't get a, go near a 3d <laughs> <laughs> yes that's brilliant oh my god it's so good uh, man.
2: I, I i
3: quite like that that's sweet it's you know that's very good. Well, Alid John actually wants a game to introduce to his little brother who is 7 years old. Uh his brother watches him play games, but some of them aren't appropriate. Um so the games that he plays with him are games like Little Big Little Big Planet. Um obviously Keza is a big fan of Minecraft uh, to play with kids and he loves watching uh, him play Mass Effect. So what?
0: Is that full of shagging and shooting? Yeah, yeah that's that's a big, well, no, not he, full he, of. It's he, got some. He
3: does go on to say that he doesn't show them the sex scenes or graphic bits for obvious reasons. Oh, that's all right then. It's a bit like Star Wars, otherwise. Good brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Good bro. so there we go. So, so, what games do you reckon he'll be able to show his little brother and get him into?
2: Well, again, Nino Cooney. I mean, we we harping on about that a lot. That that is
3: a that is a twelve plus rating, isn't it? It's a twelve,
2: um, but that's because it's sad. It's it's sad, it's but really I think if you sad. play it with, like, if if you're playing it with them. That's quite an interesting way to kind of introduce them because they are quite mature themes. But you know, it's like a, it's like you know, Finding Nemo has dark moments. Pixar's like, you know, got it, mature yeah. themes. You know, it's yeah. just, and I think if you watch it with them, in actual fact, that's play it with them. That's actually quite a good opportunity to kind of. I mean, what age do you start introducing children to death? Well, this is the thing.
1: Well, I mean, if you're me, one. Yeah. <laughs> it depends whether you have anything happen in your family. You know,
2: mm. it's it's kind of you've kind of got to just make a judgment call, and um, you know, I think I mean Nino Ni Cooney's a good one. Um, what other games have they been recently that are particularly?
1: I mean, we've got a lot of good suggestions from this feedback. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, Pokemon's always quite enjoyable.
1: I introduced a nine-year-old girl to Pokemon for the first time a few weeks ago. It was a beautiful moment in my life. Yeah. i just i had like a spare cart on me just happened to be, And she, she had a ds and we were just chatting i was like you ever play pokemon she was like no and i was just like oh <laughs> <laughs> pulled it out of my pocket gave it to her and just the next three hours she was just like transfixed by it and she was like oh which w- and which pokemon should i choose and then she started just really getting into it and it was just like watching myself do it when i was little yeah. i was nine when i got into pokemon it was just fantastic just going back to great the moment
2: f- to the, i mean obviously like we had that point about final fantasy 9 lots of text i mean Nino does have quite a bit of text but I don't know, I quite like that. I think that's quite, you know, if you can't get your kid to sit down with a book and read, yeah. why not get him yeah. to play a game it's and enjoy themselves? Point. And that's you're still developing their reading skills. It's like, educating, like, isn't it? Yeah. yeah you a, know, I think that's the wrong way to look at it, saying that... It's one GM's of my friend's
1: state. kids learned to read through Animal Crossing because <coughs> <coughs> he wanted to know what was going on in Animal Crossing so much that he learned to read, basically. Mm. He was that's four. Good. He was that's four good. years old and he learned to read through it. You
2: know, you, the, the, you, use them as tools. They are very, very helpful. I think.
1: I think it's really nice that we're of the generation that we're all going to be able to play games with our kids and it's not even going to be a thing anymore. Yeah. That's nice. Mm.
2: I think that's good. Moving with the times, people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got some more feedback from Patrick Aldia, who's a friend of the podcast. He says, Serious question. Would you guys let your kids or younger kids of your family play a game that they're not old enough to play? If not, why not? The reason I ask is because many gamers always say violent games don't make you violent, yet you guys also claim that letting a kid play Call of Duty mean they have a bad parent. Obviously, there are a lot of parents who understand gaming and happily let their kid play violent games, trusting their kids to know that these games aren't real. Some even play their games with them. Definitely doesn't sound like bad parenting to
0: me. Thanks. Well, um, I, I don't know. Have we ever said that? Well, yeah, I think we have. You know, the, the, the ratings are there for a reason, and I, you know, I just think kids. I'm going to sound like such an old fart now, but yeah. but kids these days, oh, they grow up so fast. But they do, and yeah. I think it's tragic that you that it's so hard to allow children to have what I would call a childhood. Yeah. Why the fuck, if you're, if you're an eight-year-old, nine-year-old child, would you want to introduce them to something like Call of Duty with all the war-based themes, all the violence and all the bloodletting? Why would you want to do that to a kid? Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I know it's, un- it's not unheard of for a kid to go around, you know, with a plastic gun going, ah, shot you, you're dead. But I think that's different because that's 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 their imagination it's not as graphic no. there's
1: a difference as well though a difference as well between letting a seven-year-old or a nine-year-old play call of duty and letting your 15 year old play call of duty yeah i think that you know once you pass 14 you can't really control what they're going to do can you i mean i remember what i was doing you know, the internet existed when i was 14 my parents had no chance so mm. but i think that if you're letting your eight-year-old play mm.
2: i mean i think that there's there's an argument to be made that if you're playing it with them you know you can kind of be there and kind of You know, help them with any difficulties that they have, like, you know, with the content. But I still, I agree. I think, you know, stuff like Call of Duty, why? When there's so many games out there that actually have quite a lot of, you know, very interesting stories, really engaging that kind of stimulate their mind. Because that's the thing, they stimulate their imagination, they can do. Like, you don't want to kind of stunt them into a very realistic kind of quite, you know,
1: I don't. There are so many games for kids. Why? sit there with your child and play call of duty you know and you know, so many so many games you can share that aren't and also the, vi- the violence does bother me a bit in these games because yeah. i mean what kids get obsessed with stuff yeah they get really really obsessed with stuff and if you let them get obsessed with something like that's just not quite right like call of duty then they're going to be all into kind of learning the names of guns and yeah i wouldn't <laughs> like that do
0: you also th- is it a case of that they would also get anethnotized to the effects of yeah. The violence? yeah I, I think so i think that can happen I mean, I think it's again, their
1: their brains are still forming, you know, with little kids, their brains are very much still forming.
2: Mm. And I think, again, it's looking at wrong, like quite a few, like, well, some people I know, like um, this is brothers rather than kind of parents. Like I let my younger brother play with me, like when I play COD and stuff. I think that's the right way to be looking at it. It's like, you know, you should play a game with them, like, you know, a game that maybe you wouldn't necessarily play and kind of broaden your horizons as well. like you know rather than kind of bringing them into your world that they're perhaps not ready for maybe you can actually do something new together which I think is much more Kirby's
1: Epic Yarn yeah exactly I I probably wouldn't have played that game if I hadn't been playing it with a kid
2: Mm.
0: yeah and it was great there you go well we've reached almost the end of this marathon reader FU session much Um, feedback Martin Cross has written in and said, This is the last reader feedback you'll ever need on the whole Galadriel, Gandalf, Elrond thing. Further to the stuff about the Hobbit, Galadriel and Gandalf, it's all in the Silmarillion, Tolkien's lumbering tomb concerning Middle-Earth. It encompasses the creation story of Middle-Earth and subsequent happenings all the way up to the end of Lord of the Rings. It's a vast and verbose volume, loaded with verses, copious footnotes and endless appendices. Like an even more boring and nonsensical Bible. I've read it. Like gonorrhea Whilst people have experienced it (laughs) They shouldn't wish it upon anyone else (laughs) The two salient points you can take away from it Are these One, Gandalf and Galadriel did not fuck And two, Tolkien had way too much time on his hands (laughs) Please take all subsequent Tolkien based feedback File it under I don't need to know and move on. <laughs> that, my friends, is the end of this week's reader feedback. And what better way to end it? Quite I frankly. feel exhausted. Yeah. yeah, we'll uh, wrap up with a few things that are out this week. Yes,
1: there are almost no games out this week, like none whatsoever, except right. for Aliens: Colonial Marines, which However, you don't want. It's all happening in March. We've got Tomb Raider, we've got Sim City, we've got loads and loads and loads. So lots of stuff on the horizon, dudes. And obviously, and big event next week, haven't we? Yep, yep. PS4. We, well,
4: bloody we hope it's PS4. PS4.
2: Yeah.
1: We'd love to come out and announce to you our next iteration of PlayStation Home.
2: PlayStation Move 2 in beige. You've got to be fucking kidding me! Can you imagine? <laughs> but we will, <laughs> f- we will be doing stuff um, live um, when the event's going on. So yeah, you can watch it. You can yeah. watch the stream and you also can watch it, and also you can talk. We're we're working on sorting out something so that we can actually interact with you as it's announced. It's going to be 11pm on Wednesday so um, so keep your eyes on the site yeah. and yeah. on our social feeds. Because yeah. um, you're you know, actually going to be
0: there in the room. I'm going to be there in the room as yeah. it's happening. Meanwhile stuff. Greg
1: Miller and the US team are going to be in the studio in the San Francisco mm-hmm. holding hosting live streams so yeah there's going to I be a lot going genuinely on. I am genuinely
2: excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be very, good guys. Yeah, excited, genuinely excited. I'm, I'm pumped. Seven, seven years since you're a proper stoked? big launch.
0: Uh, am yeah. I stoked? Are you stoked? Well I don't know. you stoked pal films this week Uh, Good Day to Die Hard don't bother maybe get it on Blu-ray when it comes out and This Is 40 a sort of sequel to Knocked Up I've heard quite upsetting what
2: is This Is 40 This Is Is 40
0: is like it follows um,
2: yeah
1: I know Knocked Up but what's the premise of This Is 40 basically
2: it follows the other couple that you see in This Is 40 and it kind of follows how their life because they were like you know doing great kind of follows how things go a bit shit for them and in actual fact um, when Tilly saw it he said it's quite sad
0: like, it, yeah but basically from what I can see they have to move from a fucking massive house into a house that isn't quite so big yeah no poor Boom things poo.
2: it's not great all, but yeah basically um, it's not as funny as Knocked Up yeah. is the gist and it's quite sad and poignant which
0: you know maybe and into. like all Judd Apatow films it's too long yeah give that, that man well. a pair of scissors Yeah, he needs to learn <laughs> to cut gosh I think uh, how, what, what, how, how, how long has this been?
3: One hour and 16 minutes. Not too bad. That's Bells. all right. Good
0: God. Well, we better wrap it up, I suppose. We've got, work. We've got jobs to go to. We've well, we got work have to do. do. Uh, thank not you real very jobs. much for listening to this week's IGN UK podcast. And thank it's you been for contributing. Absolutely yeah, thanks for it's thanks. contributing. Uh, the address, if you'd like to send us more stuff, is IGN UK feedback at IGN.com. Or hit us up on the Twitters and Facebooks at IGN UK. Thanks to you guys for participating and thanks to you listeners for getting involved as well. We will see you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. I love
2: you. Bye.